You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. What an honor it is to be here tonight on the launch of Awakened Church and to have been a part of helping the church expand the vision of Awaken. My prayer for you tonight is that you would awaken to a vision and to a purpose that's bigger than the one that you came in with, bigger than the one you've ever had before. So Father God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears, and open our minds to all that you have for us to see, hear, be, and do tonight, God. I pray that you would rock our worlds in the next 25 minutes and that you would leave us unaccountably changed for the better in Jesus' name. Oh, you guys may be seated. Thank you. It's such an honor to be on this stage, and I, I want to honor Pastor Jurgen and Leanne and the role that they played in my life, in the role uh, that they played in this church, that this is a house of transformation, that they laid down their lives, and in laying down their lives, all of that has been multiplied through thousands and thousands of people around the world, and their blood, sweat, and tears in this podium and on this stage. And thank you so much to Becky and to John uh, for pouring in to, to me, into my family, uh, for being the mother and father of this campus. It's such a joy uh, and an honor to have grown up in this house. When I came here, I had a, um, I had a really, uh, well, I had a vision. You know, I, I had gotten saved five years before I came here, but I came to this church on my second date with my beautiful wife. And I had a vision that God had taken me, he'd, get, he'd taken me out of so much and had worked so hard on transforming all of the dysfunction in my life that by the time I got here, I was pretty functional. Like a lot of this stuff that, that had been like all of the things that had been on me for so long, God had done this miraculous work in my life, but I was at like the doorway of really stepping into life on purpose and really stepping into the next stage of, of vision. And you know, when it's, it's so cool that I get to preach this week, but it's also been this crazy season of busyness of getting all of this stuff done. Like normally like a rebranding like this takes like a year or so. But the whole thing was done in two months because there's such an incredible team at this church. And I just really want to all honor Paul and Faith and Ernest and everybody else. You guys turn up on Sunday and see this church that's incredible and put together, but you don't see the hundreds and hundreds of people that are working tirelessly every day of the week to make Sunday happen, to bring the vision of this church to life. And it's awesome to be able to be a part of this family in here, to be a part, feel like a part of like a team that's really doing something and taking the world by storm. And I, I just, I, it's such a cool thing to be a part of, but it's also really cool how God shows up 
and how vision will keep you through the grind. Because there's also like a part of life that's grinding it out. And I thought when I first got saved that everything was gonna be just this like mountaintop moment. But how many of you guys have actually been to the top of a mountain? Probably like a good number of you, right? Have you guys noticed what grows on the top of a mountain? I think I have a picture. Uh, there's nothing that grows on the top of the mountain. Mountains are great for vision, but there's not that many cities that are built at the tops of mountains. People aren't meant to live on the top of the mountain. The air is really thin on the top of the mountain. It's hard to breathe on the top of the mountain for a long time. If you live like at the top of the mountain, like the people in the Andes, your chests get really big and weird. And people that live at the top of mountains get a little weird. And I think sometimes, just even as Christians, just being fully honest, there's this like desire to get out of the valley. But I gotta tell you that valleys are where life thrives. And I gotta tell you too that as Christians, in the Old Testament, God met people up on the mountain. But the beautiful thing about what Jesus did is that he came down in the valley so he could always be with us. And if you look at that valley, that valley is thriving. You know what causes valleys to happen are rivers. Rivers come from above. Water flows through a valley. A valley is born and life springs up. Life happens in the valley. And I'm not saying the mountaintop is not a good place to go sometimes, but it's not where we're meant to live. There's a practical purpose to what we're doing. Dry valleys are dysfunctional. The thing that's supposed to be flowing into the valley has stopped and the valley's become dry. And I actually found myself in a dry valley a little while after coming to this church. And I will tell you that the last five years of my life, my fifth year anniversary of coming to this church was last week. I came on the second date with my wife. We dated for five months. Then we got engaged. Five months later, we were married. One month into our marriage, we got pregnant with my daughter. When my daughter was 11 months old, we got pregnant with my son. So five years, six years, six years, sorry, sorry, in, this, in six years, we just celebrated our five-year anniversary, but it's my sixth anniversary here at this church. So this is my seventh Vision Sunday. But I, in, in five years of, of life, really in four years of life, I went to be from being single, fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants bachelor, only having to answer to myself, to being the sole breadwinner for a growing family. I had a vision 
on my second date with my wife, a lot of the dysfunction from my past had been dealt with and I had a vision for the future. I wanted to be married, I wanted to be a father. I had gotten over all of those things that I had agreed with in the past that had disqualified me from ever stepping into that role. I had a vision when I stepped into the relationship with the woman that would become my wife, but my vision stopped at getting married and having a family. And so in June 15th, 2018, I was struggling and I felt like I was in a dry valley. And I called up my friend Matt Hubbard, who I've been friends with for a while, who I've been in community with for a while from before he was the pastor at North Campus. And I called Matt up and I just, I said, I thought I needed some help getting organized in my finances. Because I just felt like what I was bringing in, it just didn't seem like it was like enough. And I'm like, we're doing, we're doing well. We live near the beach. We've got a beautiful family. We, we never go hungry. We have more than enough to share. We give to the church and we do other stuff. But it just felt like, ah, something is blocked. And I went out to, uh, to lunch with him. And he said, he brought a notebook with him and he handed me a pad of paper and a pen and he said, will you write down the 10 most important things in your life? And I said, okay. So top of the list, my relationship with God. I had to check the Christian box by putting him at the top of my list. Because in full transparency, I wasn't feeling close to God and I hadn't felt really close to him for a little while. Second on the list, my relationship with my wife, and absolutely that was right, that was right there. And third on the list, my relationships with Ella and Jack, our two kids. And then fourth on the list, and everything down, were these things that weren't things, like uh, important things in my life, leaving a legacy, making a difference in people's lives, being able to... Uh, to provide for more than, than just myself. And then at the end of the list, number 10 was living inspired. So Matt said, we're gonna do this little exercise. Give me your list, and I'm going to ask you about the things on the list and say, compare like apples to apples. If you could have one of these two things and never see or have or experience the other again, which would you choose, and we'll figure out what's really most important. Let's start off at the top. Jenny or the kids? And I'm like, Jenny or the kids? I'm done with your game. I'm changing my two and three, and I'm just calling it family because I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. Dr. Matt, I'm not going to, to do this. I was upset. And I'm starting to think, this game is stupid. <laughs> and you could tell I was getting a little charged up, and I think that that was part of the point of the exercise. <laughs> and he said, okay, we'll, we'll, let's, let's do this one. How about living, living, leaving a legacy or living inspired? And I said, oh, I would choose leaving leaving a legacy for, for sure. He's like, you sure about that? Why don't you put it in a sentence? Okay. 
if I had to choose between leaving a legacy and living inspired, and I could never have the one that I don't choose again, I would choose leaving a legacy. And then we went through that exercise with all of these other things on the list, and every single thing that I chose was not living inspired. Leaving a legacy, providing for more than, than just me. I was, I was so focused on what I thought I should be doing that I missed the living inspired because I thought I'd be able to get around to it later. And Matt said, look, Morgan, you are one of the most inspiring people I know. How do you expect to leave a legacy? How do you expect to really make a difference in the world? How do you expect to make a difference in other people's lives if you aren't actually living inspired? I used to be able to rely on you for vision, but you've grown dull. You've kind of become boring. And he was right. I'd gotten so identified with being a provider that I'd lost sight of the greatest gift that God gave me, that I'm a visionary. That's what he blessed me with. That's the role that I'm meant to play in the world and in people's lives, and I forgot. Because the vision that I had when I stepped into my marriage was to be married and have kids. And don't get me wrong, that's a great vision, and I absolutely need to provide for my family. But providing is something I do. It's not who I am. And we can get real confused about the difference between what we do and who we are. So about a year before my son was born, I took a job. And I had a vision for the job, sort of. But I really, more than anything, saw it as a means to an end. And really having the stability of a steady paycheck with a lot of zeros in my salary. And it was like a good job. It sounded really good on paper. I'm working for a lot of really big clients, but there's something in my gut that's just saying, don't do it. But I wanted to provide for my family. And it made sense. It checked all of the boxes on paper. And don't get me wrong, that job was amazing for a lot of reasons, but it wasn't my vision. And I'd stepped into it, and my vision had gotten so blurred because I'd gotten caught up in focusing on the things that should have just been actions I was taking, not identity. So I had a, uh, when I was preparing for this message, God showed me something that was uh, that was really cool in Exodus. And does anybody know what the third commandment is? Quacha, come on, come on. Okay, so the third commandment, the third commandment is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And it sounds like a funny thing to be preaching about on a Vision Sunday, but I was like, okay, why have you shown this to me? And God said, what's my name? I am. 
There's a lot of names that we've called him, a lot of names that people called him in the Bible. The Jewish people changed his name to Adonai. We also call him Elohim, and there's all of the Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, and everything else. But the name that God gave himself when Moses asked, hey, what's your name? He said, I am. So I'm like, okay, what does the word vain mean? And I love words. <laughs> They're so powerful. And I had this thought, what does it mean to take a name in vain? What does vain mean? And it means empty, without substance, devoid of real meaning. So is it possible that instead of meaning, don't say, oh my God, don't say Jesus Christ if you're not talking to him. <laughs> that maybe not taking God's name in vain is not using the two most powerful words in the universe, I am, to chain yourself to an identity that is empty, without substance, and devoid of meaning. So that was a big aha moment in my life because I am is so powerful and in our language we use I am so loosely. We say like I am tired and I am hungry. In other languages they say I have hunger, I have thirst. You know, you could just watch what you say I am about. Even saying like I am sick. It's like no you're not, you have a cold. You've got like, it used to bother me when Matt's like, don't say you're sick, just say you're expressing symptoms. And I'm like. <laughs> but it's powerful. Saying I am can really chain you, especially if you keep, keep saying I am about things that are less than I am a child of God. I have the DNA of heaven in me. That's freaking crazy. You're more than just these little identities that are vain, that are lacking substance, that are lacking meaning. And there's some of us, myself included, that have been able to get away from the identities that were put on us as children or maybe into young adulthood, that God's broken those chains. But we've gotten into these identities that are less than what his vision is for our lives, where we become identified by our jobs, identified by the things that we do. Those are tactical. Those are not your identity. You are more than what you do. You are more than what you've changed yourself to. So there's two things that I want to talk about tonight, and I'll just tell you that the, uh, the name of this message is the inspiration prescription. So my first point is the power of God unlocks vision that I have to have a relationship with God and through that relationship, I get to have a relationship with myself, like my real self, like the one that he created. Do you realize that each of you are a missing piece in God's puzzle? Have you ever made a puzzle and then like had one missing piece? It's so frustrating. Because <laughs> you can't finish the puzzle. 
And God has a plan and a purpose for the world. He has a plan and a purpose for your life that you are the only piece that fits into that purpose. He doesn't be like, okay, well, I guess that one, I'm just gonna make another one just like him because he didn't, you know. It just goes empty and it's sad. Because I know that when I've stepped into vision, when I've stepped into purpose, that God's not just transformed my life, he actually gets to transform other people's lives. I get to actually become a part of something bigger than just me. So my first point is you've gotta have, the power of God unlocks vision. I have to have a relationship with God. In order to be inspired, in order to have inspiration, all inspiration comes from God. You know, inspiration and respiration have the same root. And inspiration literally means the outworking of an indwelling spirit. I can't be inspired if I don't have God's spirit in me. And you know, when Adam came alive, God breathed out. Adam breathed in. And then Adam breathed out. And that's the way this is supposed to work. We've been breathing ever since then. That you don't just breathe in and then hold your breath. It's not like God breathes his life on you, gives his vision to you, and then you just hold on to it. You're meant to breathe out. And when you breathe out, life comes into the world. It's such a beautiful thing that happens in that. So, So I have God in my life, and, and if I have God in my life, I'm going to have real vision, and I can't take another person's vision. I can't try to copy, and if you look at other people that are just, that you're like, God, I want to be like them. God didn't create them. He didn't create you to be like them. Copying is just a waste of, of your purpose, your vision. So Jeremiah warns us in Jeremiah 23, 16, don't listen to what the false prophets are prophesying to you. They speak visions from their own mind, not from the mouth of the Lord. And if I'm not connecting with God, there's something, or there's something blocking with me from him, it's going to block my vision. When Christ sent out the disciples, he told them to wait. He told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came to them so that they would be filled with power when they went out. He didn't want them going out by themselves, and he didn't want them going out with their own ideas about what they were supposed to, to be doing. He wanted to fill them with power so they could go out. And I love that we're a vision church, that it's like, don't just do, wait, and see God move. I was so worried when I became a Christian that I was going to become boring. That life was just going to be so vanilla that it was going like all of the things that made me cool were going to go away. What I found is what God has taken away are the things that weren't really who I was. And he's been able to make me more me than I've ever been before. It's the most amazing thing. So if I'm not feeling God, if I'm not experiencing God, hearing from him, sometimes it's because there are things in my life that are blocking me from him a habit or indulgence that I won't give up, a person I won't forgive, a wrong relationship in my life that I won't give up, a restitution I won't make, or something that God's already told me to do that I haven't obeyed. Those things will block vision. 
And if you haven't listened to the first thing God says, he's not going to keep talking. And I got to tell you that because a couple of years ago, God gave me a vision for a book, but I was blocked. I was focused on like, I need to just, I need to, I need to grind this out. I need to figure this out. So I was like trying to write a book on my own power. Nothing was happening. (sighs) But everything else was getting blocked in my life. And I'm not experiencing the breakthrough that I'm used to experiencing from God. And so I had this conversation with Matt and I went on a fast and it unlocked that experience. And I went back and the book, as I just started writing, the book started to flow. And as I finished the book, God gave me new vision. And I've gotten hundreds of emails and texts and calls and conversations in the lobby with people that have read the book or given the book to somebody else and hearing about changed lives and changed hearts because I was responsible to fulfill the word that God gave me, the vision that he gave me. But vision also doesn't happen just in one person. When God sent the disciples out, he sent them out two by two. We need people, we need community, we need people that are speaking into our lives. And Paul's, uh, so my second point is that, that people bring vision to life. That people really get vision to come alive. That if you've been given a really big vision and you need to partner with people, you need people in your life that are going to hold you accountable. Ones that are going to tell you when to hold back and when to go. And ones that you're going to be able to take along for the ride and bring them up with you. And Paul models this so beautifully in his relationships in the Bible. When Paul first got saved, he had an encounter with God and God came to him and he was transformed and he went looking for other disciples that he could hang out with. He met Barnabas. Barnabas brought him to the apostles. He brought him to the heads of the church in Jerusalem. They were a little skeptical. Paul had just been persecuting Christians. But Barnabas believed in him and he kept pouring into him. A few years later, Barnabas called him out of where he was and asked him to help him go plant a church. They went and planted a church together, and the relationship was reciprocal. Barnabas was pouring into him, but Paul was a new believer, full of fire, so excited for God. So Barnabas' faith was getting stoked. And a little while later, they do all of this stuff, plant churches, go out, change lives. It's amazing. And then there's like a little thing that happens in the church, and they have to send some people out from like Church Central in Jerusalem. And one of the people that they sent out to the church was Silas. And Silas and Paul became like brothers. Silas was Paul's road dog. They did everything together. They changed the world together. They set the church on fire together. They sang in the prison together. And a little bit later in life, Paul met Timothy. And Timothy was somebody that was doing great that was a well-respected member of the church but he was a young guy and Paul started to pour into him the same way that Barnabas had poured into Paul and I realized that all of us need all three of those relationships to be healthy and Silas is the hardest relationship for guys that are in the grind to keep but it's also the most important because if you have a mentor they should not be seeing you every day Because if they're seeing you every day, they are not your mentor. And if you're seeing the people that you're mentoring every day, 
maybe for a season, but not for a long time. You know, like you're going down. It's, there's an importance of having somebody in your life that you're just walking side by side. We all need a Silas, and it's so hard to guard that relationship as a guy that needs to provide. And I'm telling you guys, I'm speaking to you, that your wife is not your Silas. You need somebody that's going to be with you at the high places, that's going to be able to celebrate the wins with you like a brother. You're going to need to, they, they need to be in your life at the high places because the life doesn't stay high all the time. And when they're with you in the high places and they're also with you in the low places, when you're, when you're really high up and everything's going great, they save you from getting too high. And when you're in the low places, they save you from that taking you out. So I know that there's, there's some people that are here tonight and there's a, that are, are just stuck in vision. And there's some of you that need a relationship with God to unlock that vision in your life. There's some of you that need a Silas, that need a Timothy, that need a Barnabas in your life. Some of you that are just starting out that just need a Barnabas in your life to unlock this thing. And that happens in community. Get in a connect group. Get on a team. Get around people that are older and more experienced than you that can pour into you and see what that does to your life. But in the couple of minutes that we have left, I just wanna give an opportunity for you guys to respond before I call Becky back up to, to go through the vision cards and pray you guys, pray you guys over your visions. You know, God doesn't give us visions that isolate us from people. In fact, every great vision requires people, lots of people to make it happen. It might start with one, but vision breeds connection. You need people, you need a Barnabas, you need a mentor, you need a Paul, you need a Silas. But most of all, you need a relationship with God. So if I could get you all to, to close your eyes and bow your heads, I just wanna pray over you real quick. There's some of you that are probably once on fire for God, but your light's kind of grown dim. You have a block in your life that you need to surrender and you need to come back home. Some of you have been, uh, have been given that vision that you're the missing piece in somebody else's life, but you don't quite know how to step out. And there's some of you that have been I aming the wrong thing. And there's some of you that have never been introduced to God at all. But if you fall into one of those four categories, when I count to three, could you raise your hand? And I'm just gonna say a prayer over you. One, two, three. There's hands going up all over the place. I see you in the back. I see you in the center. There's, uh, there's hands everywhere. And I just wanna invite the entire congregation. Congratulations on the decision that you've, you've made today. And I wanna invite everybody to join me in a prayer. And I would like you to say this prayer with me. Uh, as we pray you into that relationship with, uh, with God. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you created me with a plan and a purpose for my life. God, I surrender my plans to you. I declare that you are my Father, that heaven is my home, 
and that this room is filled with brothers and sisters that are gonna help me walk this new life out. God, thank you for what you've done and what you're getting ready to do in and through my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.